fades in. What is up, bro? What is up, my dude? It's a fucking late night for the lifts and riffs boys. It feels good. It is. I uh I I almost don't know what to do with myself. Feels like I'm about to watch a horror movie, you know. It is tis- Yeah, it does. Right? We right. um we are we're almost kind of watching a horror movie tonight. We're talking with some scary motherfuckers. It's going to be fun. We're going to get to that in a minute, though. We're early tonight, so like, I got to talk to you, dude. How have you been? I know, dude. I've been busy as fuck, my guy. It is October. You know how it goes. I've been barely home. Yeah. Uh, conventions like every weekend, doing shows and shit, and just trying to pump the, do the merch, do the content. It's a, it's a full-time job being the, the goddamn Crypt Keeper, and I, I'm, I'm blessed, brother. That's have you good. have you gotten to uh, have you gotten to meet any any bucket list people in any cons lately? Have you have you met anybody that you've been like, holy fuck, this is amazing? Yeah, we just got our uh, a picture with like everybody that's played Michael Myers, and that was pretty fucking sweet. Oh, badass, man! <laughs> like that, that's pretty much like meeting the original Michael Myers, Nick Castle. He's cool as fuck. Nick Castle, Dick yeah. Warlock, I bet was Warlock. there. Um, who who the new, I don't even know. The new guy, James June Courtney, is actually fun. yeah, yeah. He's really cool, and I think he does a really good job. I really dug the new the the new Halloween Kills movie. A lot of people did not. I'm a fan. I you know I've one of the things that surprised me was just how crazy the fucking backlash to that movie has been. Because like it's not when I watched it. I, so I watched it twice, and the first time I was like, I don't know. Yeah, brutal movie absolutely a little bit of a mess plot wise i think i'm gonna go back and watch it again and i went back and watched it again and i was like this is pretty fucking good man like but but by the time i watched it a second time like the the bomb had already dropped and the internet was like up in arms about how this was the worst halloween movie ever i'm just thinking are you fucking did you motherfuckers not see halloween resurrection yeah or like any of the other i mean like any argument you could make for the Halloween Kills plot being shitty, like those these movies haven't had a real plot since like 1979. So <laughs> I, I liked it, and I'm definitely stoked about the next one. I think that sure. I, I think that probably it's going to be like uh, hearing a single in advance of a new record or something. You know what I mean? Like you see it by itself, but when you get to sort of contextualize it as part of a bigger whole, I think that you can appreciate it a little bit more. That's what I'm hoping happens here with it yeah it kind of exists to set up the third one in many ways but it's fun and you know michael myers kills a lot of people i don't really understand why people didn't like that he kills like all of haddonfield it was pretty it was pretty fucking impressive it's like i i think that they you know they made that crack in the 2018 movie about how like didn't he only kill like five people or something like that that's not that big of a deal yeah and they decided to bring that back for the for the for the second one in the trilogy and be like He's going to fucking kill everybody. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm in. Speaking of killing everybody, though, you killed your run today to the new Cradle of Filth, and I want to talk about Cradle of Filth with you for a second because you got me on Cradle of Filth, bro. And I've never listened to more Cradle of Filth in my life as I have this month. Are you feeling good? Does it? I feel good about it. I I feel fine. Yeah, I do. I I feel when I listen to it, I feel imbued with horny vampire circus energy. Yeah. And it powers me, man. It powered my run today. I got 15 fucking miles, um, 15.4 miles with a with a pace of uh, average pace of 10 minutes, 18 seconds per mile. Like Ooh. that ain't that ain't fucking like uh, that ain't Boston Marathon shit. But for a 200 pound asthmatic pushing 40 English teacher, I think I'm doing pretty good, man. It's badass, man. I think I'm fucking shit up. And part of where that energy came from was Cradle of Filth. Also, my new halfway point every time I run, when I go on a long run on Tuesdays, is the Exorcist Stairs, which is pretty fucking oh, dope. Dope, dude. Georgetown, right? Yes, yes, Georgetown. Um, yeah. I uh, I am super into the new Cradle record. I like it. I like it more than I liked Cryptoriana, but yeah. I don't like it as much as I liked Hammer of the Witches, and those are the two, I think, biggest comparisons that you've got to go with because you've got essentially the same writing lineup for, for sure. Uh, performance lineup for those three records apart from keyboards um a lot more variation they brought back the interludes which like i'm probably the biggest cradle of filth interlude fan who gives a shit about that band because like i like 
I need the little interludes, man. I need the little lulls in between the fucking the yowling of Danny Filth and all the other shred action that goes on. Like it's it's a solid record, dude. The riffs are yeah out of this world. I kind of dug into them from the you know I started from the beginning and kind of worked my way up because yeah I really didn't I haven't given them a fair chance you know and as much as I made fun of you for liking Cradle of Filth I really wanted to make sure that I was making fun of you for the right reasons you know what I mean I mean there's. You can love Cradle of Filth and still be one hundred percent on board with why people make fun of them. And yeah, I like yeah, I'm that I am. But I feel but, like uh, as I listen to them, like I, I was kind of like getting the vibe that they don't really take themselves that seriously. So maybe I was thinking they taught they took themselves too seriously, and maybe I was just I was the butt of the joke because I didn't get it. Oh man, if you go back and you look at Cradle of Filth lyrics going all the way back to the beginning, like Danny Filth has been tongue firmly in cheek the entire time. And like, yeah, like there's it. all these like really cool, serious, poetic influences. There's like all this Lord Byron shit. All you know, all those things are really cool. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like he's singing about fucking and like he knows he is. Right. And like he's talking about just it's it's goofy, man. It's silly. So like this is like the the puns and everything are out of control all the time. Cradle feels a blast, man. He's definitely not taking himself too seriously. Right. I can't speak for anybody else in the band, but I mean, it is fun. it is kind of his baby. Was in your in your travels in your Cradle of Filth deep dive? Was there anything from from the from the late great past that stood out for you? I mean, I didn't realize that like Cruelty and the Beast was like the most beloved of their records and having listened to it just going in blind from the beginning, like that one stood out to me the most. So I understand why that that one is, you know, that's one of my favorites. That was my that was my first Cradle record. That record is absolutely fucking incredible. And like the the cool thing about that one is that you. You know, they, they released that remistressed version, I guess, last year or the year before, like a remaster. Oh, I've listened to it. I've listened to both. Dude, I like, I remember when they announced it, I was like, what is the problem with the original? Like, I, I wasn't like firmly anti-remix. I was just like, of all the records that that really need a facelift, like I would love to hear them go back and, and tune up Principle of Evil Made Flesh because it sounds like shit. But when I heard the the new version of uh, of, of cruelty i was just blown away there's so much shit going on that you couldn't really hear the first time around Um, so definitely worth it but yeah man that's the one that one that one is that three album run of dusk um cruelty and midian is can't be fucked with midian's i think the only one i knew really before that because i knew like her ghost in the fog and shit like that and that's cool and everything but yeah there though I like it. It's all okay to me. And then like, I really liked Hammer of the Witches. Like that might be my second favorite Cradle record. Hammer of the Witches was a fucking massive return to form, man. Like they had, they replaced a bunch of people in the lineup. Paul Allender, who'd been in the band for a really long time playing guitar left. Um, And then they replaced him with, you know, a handful of, with two new dudes who were really great. Um, But like, the Paul Allender years often sort of get a lot of shit, uh, particularly like Thornography and Amphetamine, which I'm going to be real. I don't particularly love those albums either, mm-hmm. but Paul Allender contributed some really fucking killer shit. So definitely enjoy Hammer of the Witches, but don't let the bullshit make you think that there's nothing like in that gap between Midian and Hammer of the Witches worth discovering because there really, really is. Particularly Darkly Darkly Venus Aversa, I think is a fucking masterpiece. I love that record. I will revisit that one with that in mind. And as, as much as I would fucking love to do nothing but talk about Cradle Field for the next too. hour, bro. We got a we got a homeboy in the waiting room. We got we got multiple homeboys in the waiting room. And yes. I am super stoked. I am I am a huge fan of the band that we're chatting with tonight. Um, they are one of my very favorite bands on Redefining Darkness Records. Their second record was in my top 20. Uh, when I had the Death Drive show last year, God Almighty, the time seemed just flies, doesn't it? Um, the band is called Angerot. Damn. They play American-made Swedish chainsaw shit, and I think that we need to get these motherfuckers in here right now and talk. They to do, them. and. As soon as you started talking, he left the waiting room. He we're left. Gonna, we're gonna take a pause here. He's back. He's All back. Right, he's here. back. We, we was, edit that out. That was a little a bit of Halloween prank. Little bit of stage you. fright. No problem. I got you all. I mean, they're in South Dakota, so there may be like uh, no fucking no internet. There. No, that's a shitty thing to say. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from flyover territory. <laughs> fucking dick. How, how dare you? 
What a what a dick. What a dick. South Dakota probably rules. That's why they make all this good death. I can yeah. hear and now I can see. There they Hello. are. Gentlemen. Yo. What's up, fellas? What's How going on, man? Hey, good to see you, cats. I uh God almighty, I did, when I when you see the beard uh for the first time, you know, not in public, but just sort of like <laughs> in the confines of the frame, both you guys are fucking killing it with the with the the power facial hair going on here uh, well i'm shuler um i'm the dude who's been bugging you guys online thank you so very much for coming chatting with us tonight i'm joined oh, by you. my buddy zach belante from death comes lifting hi everybody hey, Yo, thanks for showing up appreciate it and we are super stoked to have a couple of gentlemen from the band anger out with us tonight if you fellows would introduce yourselves please uh i am zog bass for anger out Jason Ellsworth, uh, guitars and backing vocals. Uh, CR Pettit was going to be here. He's got a kind of a bum knee situation. He's kind of hurting. So uh, you're just going to get us two cats tonight. Dude, we are are super taught. Anybody who will give us the time of day, we are super (laughs) delighted to talk to. But, like, we're really glad to have you guys on the show. Um, I am a big Anger Out fan. I, you know, I got the banner in the background. I got fucking... All kinds of toys, all kinds of cool accessories that go with the, uh, with the releases, and I, I really do think that you guys are doing some of the most entertaining and fun shit that I've heard. Um, sort of in that vein, there's a lot of influences there that sort of at the same time celebrate sort of the resurgence of like HM2 Chainsaw Death Metal, but at the same time, there's a lot of the more theatrical uh, sort of black metal elements that that really that I really enjoyed back in the late 90s bands like Old Man's Child and Demovable Gear and Covenant there's so much really cool influences going on so can't wait to figure out sort of where you guys um you know got into the game writing wise where your influences are sort of what your outlook is on the band um let's go ahead and start at the beginning man uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the band where'd you guys get started well the origins of uh, anger rot stem from I mean uh, Bill and, and Chad uh, go back to late 80s. Uh, Seems like our, 89. Yeah, origins nice. go back to like 89 here for for these guys. Uh, early incarnations of a band called Suffer. Um, that was yeah. very legendary in these parts. I used to go to all their shows, but I hadn't. I didn't even really know the guys back then. I didn't get to know these guys till about 95, 94, 95, somewhere in there. So you know we've all been through different styles of bands different types of bands not only metal uh some other things and the last project that chad and i did was um was called the tennessee murder club so that that had run its course after seven years and uh that was ended 2016 so like okay where do we go from here you know do we want to keep doing something and us all being um, old school guys, being at the forefront of the origination of the, you know, the Swedish metal scene, the Florida scene. I mean, we're, you know, we were there in the infancy when yeah. when that kind of music came out, you know, which shows our age, of course. But so I think it was just Chad's initial thought and his idea that let's let's try this. Um, let's try our version of it, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of how we've approached this. Let's we, we like to think that I mean, the we like to kind of get the, um, the, the Swedish influence and the Florida influence all in one with, the, sure. touch, with the touch of, 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 of some black metal elements. And I think that's kind of where we stand now. I mean, our first album, I think, was more traditional Swedish old school death metal. But I think we're trying to expand it each album. So I'll let Well, I think, that, you know, we kind of had a, a mission statement almost with the first album that we wanted to create that Swedish HM2 style yeah. sound but more importantly write an album that we liked and and the music that we grew up listening to um obviously heavily influenced uh, entombed and unleashed and all the you know um even going so far as to um have it produced by the same yeah. uh, scott you know um which you're not you're just going to come out sounding that way no matter what and um after that album um which was great um we it's not like we shied away from trying to do that we just the writing progressed into mm-hmm. more of of what we um started becoming and who we who we really are technically and then you know we find a different producer in andreas 
and you know that changed the sound but it really progressed it and i mean we've talked many times about calling him the fifth member of this band because um the change was so drastic if you go right away and listen to him back and forth but yeah all those influences are there exactly what you said with the demu and oh man's child and uh you know we all we all love that stuff we're all black metal fans too i mean i i've been my pretty much my entire life to be honest with you um since early incarnations you know even before there was black metal you know the early merciful fate king diamond you know Mm -hmm. which morphed into black metal i suppose but but so i I like to kind of interject those elements um you know i guess and i think you're gonna find on this this next album there's gonna be even more of that yeah i mean i definitely man, i want to hear about the next record very very much one of the things that you did mention that i thought was interesting and that i also have picked up on is um i you know i can't really necessarily accredit the the changes from one producer or the next to sort of the impact that it has from one album to the next but the behind the scenes slate of people that you guys have had involved in this band has been a fucking who's who it's an incredible group of people who have done some legendary work in the scene um and not just production wise also musicians they're you know the guest guys that you got on here fucking snowy shaw uh yeah. terrence hobbs <laughs> like tell us a little bit about like well let's start with the first record and let's start with the production there and sort of and go from the like you know what kind of changes did you want between those two records what were you happy about with the first record um tell us about the the background the 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 guys who are pulling the strings well as far as getting guests um you know chad has said this a lot we we wanted to do that because that was almost like an old school thing that they would do in the early 90s you know you'd see glenn benton on cancer album or you know whatever it may be and we discussed it and um it's just as much as asking (laughs) you know yeah And, and uh who you can who who can you get a hold of and who would be willing and send them a demo and see if they'd be interested and there was obviously people we were interested in being on it and we were very lucky to have James Murphy and LG Petrov yeah very honored for for both of those guys on the first album um yeah i mean i think it's for us it's like you know, it's, I guess you call it equivalent of our bucket list in a way. And, and like Bill said, we just, we just basically asked him, that's not saying that, I mean, Chad's rubbed shoulders with a few of these guys from his guitar company that he once had, which he still has, but it's a different Mm -hmm. guitar company now. Um, So he's got to know some people and just ask. And and, um, that's been our philosophy. And, you know, and then all I can say was we have, some killer ones on the next one. I won't give away any names, but <laughs> oh, it's, I think I, I think it's going to blow some people away. It, well, it blew me away. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Who we are able to get on on, and they're all done. Um, everybody's contributed. Awesome. Um, we have four. That I guess I, I'll say we have four. Yeah. Special I guests. I don't really um, know what we could even hint, but yeah. And we probably shouldn't. We like no. to keep things as a surprise when it comes. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Not to say that the guests on the new album or better than any of the guests we've no. had because holy shit um the, the the people we've been lucky enough to say yes and and contribute is fucking over, overwhelming almost sometimes it's, it's kind of just crazy to sit back and think about but that being said yeah we are all extremely excited about uh this next record and and the guests that are on it and, With, uh, there is sorry go ahead Oh, no, I was just going to say that the what's really cool um, with the guests coming on is we've always had kind of an open policy with them, too. That here's the here's the demo track. Um, you know, we don't at, we don't really tell people like, here's the time slot we want you on. Like, here's where we're thinking, but do whatever you want to do, you know, with the whole thing. And a lot of these guys have come back yeah. and it's just blown us away time and again. Well, and that's one of the things that I thought was so cool about the uh, the appearances that you have had on the first two records is just how naturally they fit into the style, even though we're talking about people who come from very different uh, sort of compositional backgrounds. Like, again, you know, Terrence Hodge from Suffocation, Snowy Shaw uh, has done all kinds of work with a million different people. But like, I, you know, you think of King Diamond, you think of... Uh, yeah. Here. Um, one of the... Uh, so with the expansion of styles, right? When you guys, you said at the beginning that you sat down to sort of 
purposefully revisit this, you know, the golden age of, of sort of early Swedish death metal and something that you guys were there for and that you guys, you know, wanted to take it, put your twist on it and do something that you really enjoyed. Um, what, what did anything change between the first record and the second record other than just the producer that you chose? Like, was there a conscious move towards incorporating different influences or do you guys just get into a room and see what happens? Like, what's the process like? Well, I, I think, I think we, I think our focus changed from this standpoint. And this is what my my recollection is, and it continues on this next album too. Is that um, I don't remember this being a part of the first album so much in my own head, but we said we want in each song we want there to be a focal point mm-hmm. of something, whether you want to call it a chorus, whether you want to call, you know, uh, you know the. The, the intro, the the female uh, voice on our first song on "Blow the Deep and Dreamless Sleep." You know yes. what? There's there's an element that should be the an it factor for mm. us as the creator of this and as the listener of it, and we hope that portrays. You know, we don't want to just go, okay, well here's a song and here's a bunch of riffs, and you know, I mean, until we get to that point on any song, uh, I don't think we feel like we're quite done with it. You yeah. know, so I think that focus changed to get to this. We need every song needs an it factor. It needs this focal point and something you can go either go, wow, that's killer or that's catchy or holy shit. I didn't expect that. I mean, so, you know, and I think the focus to move from totally, you know, like I said, the Swedishly influenced to add a little mm-hmm. bit of the Florida element. I think what we mean by that is that our, our guitar tone changed a little bit on the second yeah. album, you know, and that was deliberate, you know, as well. I mean, not tons, but it did. You know, it was a little more refined. I think the problem with that tone sometimes is depending on the style you're playing. Yeah. You, know, the, you can lose some clarity in, in some of the riffs. Yes. You know, so, so sometimes I, we'd be, you know, I'd be working on these riffs or we'd be doing these riffs like, oh man, you know, is what can we do to refine this? So we just kind of screwed with it. And that's what we ended up with. And, you know, I, I think we've kind of continued on that similar path, I suppose. I mean, every album cycle, you got a somewhat of a new start with tone. Mm-hmm. But I think we used some of the same elements um, on the third that we did on the second. Yeah, and so. I don't, I don't think there was a conscious effort to go. Well, we don't want to sound like that anymore. We just, yeah, pr- progressively sounded more like ourselves. Right. It's kind of which goes along with the same. Um, just we're doing stuff um, that we like to listen to or would like to listen to, and like Jason was saying, is basically we want to walk away from every song so that. Uh, with that you know like holy shit moment that hopefully a listener would go oh yeah that's the song that x is in or whatever you know yes something to take away yeah well it is it's it they're they're all very memorable like there's like you said you know it may be a chorus or it may not be a chorus that is the, the the thing that sticks with you but like there's a lot of earworm shit going on on these records um which is which is fun for me you know what i mean like i love death metal i've been listening to death metal for a long time i do like to to freak out and listen to like impenetrable fucking technical shit sometimes but at the same time like i really really enjoy like a well-written memorable song and that's one of the things that i consistently get from anger out records yeah and i think that's i guess i'd also say too is that you know, I've been in those type of bands where it's just you got kind of cool riff after cool riff, and that's that's okay, yeah. you know. But I think we try to bring back elements and songs, and we we try. I mean, I think this is the first time in in for you know, that we've really focused on um, really the the songwriting aspect, you know, to where yeah. you come back to themes, you know. And I haven't always done that in in past projects, you know. So, well, with the um with the last record. Uh, before we get to, I want to hear a little bit about sort of, you know, what you can tell us about the third records, like, you know, timetable wise, things like that. But but first, you guys have just revisited the second record with the release of the Inversus version. Um, tell us a little bit about the the genesis of that. What made you guys decide to go back and re- revisit the second record uh, with some bonus stuff before moving on to what comes next? Well, we initially with all the downtime the last year and a half or so um we initially started talking about recording an ep Mm -hmm. and um we kind of went back and forth of what we wanted to do at one point it was going to be like three covers and maybe a new song or two and didn't weren't entirely sure um we had our uh album release show recorded 
um, so that we would have that and, ha- yeah. and possibly be able to do something with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think um, as time went on, um, basically divine apostate started getting really close to being sold out. And yeah, so, you know, ultimately, I don't know what else to add, but well, ultimately the decision was, you know, in, instead of putting out a whole nother release, we could do this yeah. and it's kind of like a bonus, you know? And yes. Um, so I think that I, I mean, the idea was the EP, like Bill said, but then we've, I think when that was floated to our label, Thomas at uh, redefining darkness records, I think it was, I, I believe it was him that brought up, well, let's re-release divine. And, and uh, we've got the, the room to put, um, However, you know, however many songs, obviously you can have 80 minutes on a CD. So we're like, okay, you know, um, let's give, let's, let's make it cool. You know, let's do this cool idea with this in, in, inverted deal and let's get, let's yeah. get, give some new artwork on the one side. Um, and then we're just kind of like, okay, let's, let's refine this. So yeah, we did that CD release show. We ended up with some cool live tracks that actually turned out good. And, and the, the thing that I'm, it's pretty cool about that. It's like what you hear is 100% <laughs> raw and live. Yeah. We did no, we did zero touch up. So you, you might hear a few, few little, little hiccups here and there, but that's what kind of the cool part is that there are zero studio tricks or other than just being mixed. There's nothing on that. So that's, and you that's get to hear cool. him and I do vocals. Yep. It. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds big, man. Like it, the, the, the sound on the live shit is fantastic. And also like the remixes of the, uh, of the two tracks from Splendid Iniquity, I thought sounded really great. What was, had you guys just had those lying around or did you go ahead and get them made specifically for this release? Like how'd that come about? Well, the, um, the two remixes. So that half awoke is actually on the split, the first album, the split, yeah. the splendid iniquity. And so our idea was let's, let's, let's have Andreas Lineman, our, our, our guy now, yeah, uh, take a stab at these. And then the conquering, which is the other song actually was not, it's technically an unreleased track. It was from, wow. the, it was from those sessions. Um, so we actually have... offered it. We offered it as the download only if you bought the splatter package. And I did, I was going to okay. say, so okay. I've, I am familiar with the conquering and I was stoked to see it actually on a CD, but I, I, I thought the, you know, the, the facelift that they got, it was um, definitely more, more muscular sounding. Right. Um, it, to, to go back to um, the, in, you know, I love the artwork from Inversus. I love the, you know, the flipping it around and, and I thought the fucking bloodbath cover was incredible. <laughs> Um, obviously, uh, gotta be a huge influence on you guys, but you absolutely fucking nailed that one. Um, one of the things that I do want to ask about though, is with the special edition of the splendid iniquity, the splatter edition, like you Mm. said, all kinds of cool shit came with that. Um, if I see that there's like an extra track somewhere from a record that I can run down, I'm going to do it no matter what is entailed. I was happy to get that record on vinyl because I, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to have it on vinyl anyway. But one of the cool things that came with that was a comic book mm-hmm. that you guys had created to accompany this release. Tell us a little bit about that. Where did that idea come from? Who did it? Who worked with it? How were you guys involved? Um, so I guess I don't remember the genesis of the idea. We, you know, we try to come up with different uh, merchandise ideas, you know, cause they're, a lot of bands do a lot of cool stuff out there. Yeah. And that one came up um, because there's a few songs on Splendid that kind of tell a, a story. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we just thought a, a comic book would be cool as shit. And um, a tattoo artist in Fargo, North Dakota, Cliff. Um, oh my gosh. Gustafson. Gustafson. I got it. Yeah. Very, Cliff. very, very uh, Fargo, North Dakota last night. <laughs> he illustrated it all and then uh yeah we got it off to a company to have it printed up and and done and chad's a graphic design uh, guru guru yeah so he designed the cover of that and everything and we brought up doing a second one and we just it just uh hasn't happened let's put it that way it would be uh you know i just i always it's such a terrible example to give when I give this example because people like uh, look at it as cash grab shit. But like I, you know, I was in high school in the '90s and I was really into like Roadrunner Records bands, which you know I am not ashamed of that shit at all. That shit ruled. But like one of the things that they did, one of the things that they did that made a lot of people furious was like they'd release a record, right? 
and then like three months later they'd re-release like a digipack version with like extra tracks and shit like that and I saw dude, your tweet the other day. About oh, that. did you? Dude, <laughs> yeah, I, did. I, I live for that I was like, shit. oh, man. <laughs> like, ex, like extra shit like that that comes out later. Like, I, you know, I realized that it was, you know, I guess maybe I was a kid. I didn't pay attention. Maybe it was like sort of a marketing thing. They were scrambling, trying to keep up with downloading and shit like that when the industry was still like, what the fuck are we going to do about this? But like, I, I always loved getting to sort of see an alternate version or some sort of accompaniment to a record. And when I saw that that was available for uh, Splendid Iniquity, I, I could not pass it up, man. So like, like anything that you guys do like that shit in the future, <laughs> I will definitely be a uh, day one buyer. Cool, um, man. Right on. Yeah, so, it definitely wasn't uh, doing this wasn't a cash grab. It was just it was. Uh, oh, of course not. <laughs> it was a, uh, yeah. Like, do we do an EP while well, there's, you know. So. I mean, I, th- <laughs> and I, I think that we all know at this point, you know, guys, anybody who's making this music right is making it because they love it right right. it it would be awesome if musicians got paid the way that musicians used to and you know making money off live shows making money off merch sort of supplementing your income in any way that you can like this is you know that's the way the world works you've got to have money to get by and so you know nobody's going to begrudge you that but like at the same time i do think that it is really it's it's cool to be able to get these sort of extras um that you that 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 give your audience sort of a different version of what you're looking at to maybe sort of complete that idea or add on to that idea. So like, I'm one of those guys who spends a lot of time staring at album art and I feel like the, the extra stuff from the inversus side uh, sort of adds to that in a way that um, it makes it unique. It makes it fun. It gets me excited for like what's coming next. You know what I mean? So now I don't think anybody thinks it's like a cash grab or anything, like that. Uh, but like when Roadrunner was doing that shit, you know they were yeah. trying to roll yeah. Oh, yeah. cash back in the sure. That just made me think of like, uh, you know, when we'd actually, you could go to the mall and buy a CD or cassette yeah. or whatever. There'd always be like that import section. Yes. You're finding, you're finding the same disc you bought two weeks ago, but this time it's from Japan. So there's an extra song on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you have to have it. And the cover's a little bit different. If, you, if, if, if i could get up right now and go behind me and grab all that shit back there. like that was uh and i still do that shit man so like the the new carcass record that came out a few weeks back um i had to i i have a good relationship with one particular japanese resale company who's like oh it's this fucking guy again they run down they run down japanese versions of cds that come out there and and hold them for me and then I, and then i buy them from them and i had to get the fucking carcass japanese version because it's got did you get the one plate extra and everything like the, the... I, di- I did i got i got did the you? vinyl yeah i did hold on <laughs> he's not joking he has a problem and that's why he runs this shit the, the curse well, is the curse is real as they say oh yeah Hey, you guys want to come on our show so we can talk about somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's dope, man. Um, like this, I thought was pretty tight, but like there's 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 a plate in there and there's a knife and a fork in there. Um, that is awesome. But, but there's no extra there's no extra music. Um, but on the Japanese CD, there is an extra track. It's pretty tight. Uh, well, you remember you remember when you were a kid and, and whether what whether it was Star Wars figures on the back, it was say collect them all. Yes. So we, we take that philosophy into our music and got to collect them all, right? <laughs> That's man, and I yeah. like that is hardwired into the way that I process the world at this point. Like <laughs> I was definitely kid looking way. at the looking at the back of the fucking packaging and being like, I got to get all. Of you can look at my wall behind me. It looks like your wall behind you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So obviously, you guys have been. We, let's, dude. We get a million different people in here, and we somehow never end up talking about this shit. Like collector wise um how is the majority of what i see behind me appear to be cds is that correct cds dvds i got some those reaction figures up on my wall there do you Uh, music wise do you have a preferred medium would you rather buy it on oh yeah yeah for sure for sure cd i mean to me it's it's the best sounding it's just for me you know i mean i mean i'll i don't uh Things I can't get on CD, I'll download. I, I love yeah. checking out things, you know, whether it's YouTube and if I like it, I'll buy it. It's just, that's just how I roll, you know, me personally. Yeah, like, well, CDs are what I grew up with. You know what yeah. I mean? And like that whole- I'm old school, man. I can't help it, you know? I can't, I can't either. Like I, I love, I love being able to, I love the size of it. I love the practicality of it. And like, I, I yeah. still have a CD player in my car. So like I'll me take too. CDs with me on a ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and 
it's it's always cool to get extra shit with like a record or with you know a tape now that those have come back um but at the end of the day like they're not super practical mediums it's a lot cooler to, to have a to have a cd collectible yeah it is the cassettes are collectibles and they're cool it's cool yeah. but you know i get them it's I tangible like them. i like yeah, having yeah. something tangible you know it's yeah. just exactly just, uh, I, I I attach to music so much deeper if I've got like something I can hold in my hands and then I can look at and I you know sometimes I think to myself like that seems a little bit shallow but at the same time like it doesn't this is just how we how we came into this you know exactly um, it would be different I think if maybe I was born and grew up in a world that didn't really have sort of that reliance on physical media that we had back in the 90s but mm-hmm. that wasn't the case and so that's one of the things that I've brought with me. Well, that's just um, it. I don't even know if people like, if they're downloading all of their music, are they downloading PDFs to look at, you know, the liner notes? Probably yeah. not. Are they, look, do they give a shit about the artwork? Probably not. Well, you know? I am so, curious about whether or not people do look at like the PDFs that come with like Bandcamp artwork. You know what I mean? I, cause I, they might glance I would rather at it. The, that's about it. You know? Yeah. I would rather have the actual thing in my hand. Yeah. Um, so you guys, one of the things you mentioned earlier about, um, what ended up giving us in versus was the downtime that everybody had over the last year and a half. Right. Um, been an interesting time to say the very least here in these United States and all over the world. Um, obviously a lot about you guys second album, I think I would think probably ended up changing um due to that were there any were there any touring plans were you guys are you guys at a point where you're trying to get out and go on the road like i know that you've done some live shows um but i'm curious about sort of what you have envisioned regarding the band's future assuming things get back to normal and maybe we can use like how covid the the lockdown and everything work with you guys for like a template for you know what's future live shows going to look like what's the band going to be doing well, currently, I mean, currently we're, you know, we're in third, we're in next album mode right now. And, um, I, you know, I can say we're honestly, it's, it's 98% done. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a tiny bit, um, left for, I mean, our, our producer, um, has half of the songs that he's currently going sifting through right now. So, um, you know, I guess one of the, one of the kind of problems in the industry right now is, uh, duplication services are, are backlogged, Back, yeah. mm-hmm. as you probably know so you know i mean i don't we haven't really decided what how that's gonna how we're how that's gonna pan out you know whether we are able to release uh, the cd first and the vinyl later because vinyls 10 yeah. to 12 months out roughly that's you crazy. know so it, it's you know i don't know i mean i guess stay tuned for that i mean what our our hope is or our plan is not our hope our plan is is that we are going to have this album cycle like pretty much ready to go. So what we mean by that is we, we'd like to have, we already have one of our videos shot and completed. No um, shit. It's all done. Yeah. I didn't know that, I didn't cool. know that you guys were this close to the third record being ready, man. I, I, oh, yeah. I well, so that's we kind of what we've stages. done over this. Um, you know, Divine came out after lockdown. Like we had sent it and, you know, we were waiting and lockdown happens. Yeah. And so it comes out in April, you know, in the midst of lockdown. What yeah. what can you do? Um, you know, we, we were lucky enough to be able to play a few shows um, last year. Or did we just one last year? I think we did two. Did couple. two last year. A couple this year. Um, but that's been it, you know. So there were no finite plans for shows because yeah. nobody knows what's going on. I mean, even right. now, it seems like some tours are doing, you know, at least not canceling in the yeah. States. Um, seems like Europe is kind of <laughs> summer, you know, some fa- bands I follow, um, they're having no hiccups. Everything's yeah. going great. Other ones are being rescheduled till next year already after mm-hmm. like two shows. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as far as that, nothing's finite. There are, you know, no no plans in the works for for upcoming shows but like i said or like we've said we, we've basically been spending the time working on the on the third album and uh really focusing in on it so yeah to the point where yeah we went and shot a video already and uh, so we've 
we've we've danced around the third album a little bit. I've I've asked you guys like a couple of questions. I one of the things that I I respect the wanting to to the surprise factor, right? Um, having said that, what can you tell us? Can we talk a little bit? Do we have any idea about the timetable? Do we have any idea about uh, you guys? I take it you're still with Redefining I'm, Darkness, yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean there's really not tons to say, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's going to have, you know, I think it's going to have eight tracks again. Mm-hmm. Um, the first word in the title is the, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're, we keep, we keep a theme. Surprise ruined. <laughs> we we kind of have, we're kind of, the goal is to kind of keep a theme with these albums as far yeah. as, and eventually it will kind of come out with what that means. And, but yeah, even with the down to the album titles are kind of tried to keep a theme, but, um, um, you know, music. Well, I mean, I guess the th- and you, you may or I don't, may or may not know this, but we actually we actually tracked the drums for both albums at the same time. So that's what's allowed us to be able what? to kind of push these yeah. together. So the the drums for the third album was tracked at the same time that we did the Divine Apostate. Whoa! So we had ri- written whatever sixteen songs, and then we just went into the studio and did them all at one time. So we're working with drum tracks now that are whatever year and a half or year, years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. So well, we try, our, try to think ahead. <laughs> no, shit. Our drummer was our original drummer. Josh was moving. Yeah. And we had started writing um, after splendid with him. And I think two songs for sure had been started with him and then he was moving and we didn't really know what we were going to do and the writing just continued and by the time we found uh matt to come in i I think it was 14 songs or 15. yeah but yeah i mean we basically had the 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 dummy tracks already recorded um we were actually working um to program some drums just to get a feel for it and then yeah he came in and learned all of it and while we had the time he recorded all of them in two days yeah, so, so it's, it's been a gift. Two two full Crazy. records, at least drum wise, recorded within the same period. Mm-hmm. Um, was this? Were they? Did you know at the time, like that it was two different records with two different fucking track sequences, or like did you guys have to decide afterwards, sort of what went where? And if so, how did that process go? Yeah, yeah, no, we 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 didn't. Uh, I mean, I guess we just chose. <laughs> You know, we just get together and we go, okay, you know, we just kind of put our heads together and choose what we think uh, feels right, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, because we put a lot of thought into the order and, you know, we just, we just would kind of say things like, well, let's, let's save this for the second album. I mean, there's, there's no science to it, I suppose, but it's just what felt right. And, uh, you know, um, some I mean, of the, some, some of the, I think some of the ones that were more bare bones i think we saved for this album because we knew it would take more thought and maybe more yeah. to get to the member it's called that it factor yes um there were a couple fairly uh basic type bare bones of songs that obviously was intentional but like okay what are we going to do to this song to make it you know to get to that it factor and i think we've done it you know but initially even chad had i think one and a half of the third album songs vocals recorded or started and then uh um jason and chad and i sat down and we were like okay we're gonna break this up into two and we sat and went through it track by track and and picked and pick and choose what was gonna be eventually the divine apostate and which would be the third album but the writing didn't stop there obviously you know that was still pretty early on um even in the writing to, you know, the basic guitar tracks were done and then the drums were done and then the writing really, you know, things changed yeah. from that point still. So do you guys have even more shit in the can now? I mean, I think we, I think we have, we have, we have like three songs that we've uh, kicked around and I think we're, I think we're looking forward to that. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but I think we're yeah. looking forward to that so we can have a clean slate of working on anger rap material with our drummer matt johnson uh-huh. um because you know like when we got him in the band you know we, like bill said we'd already started some of these songs some of we had a friend kind of program some 
some ideas, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Matt's a limitless drummer and, and stuff. So, I mean, there's just sky's a limit, you know, with, um, what, you know, I just, we haven't really done that to be honest. We haven't taken a song idea from scratch and, and got in a room, the four of us really, uh, and written in that way, like we kind of used to, you know, so we're, I'm yeah. looking forward to that someday, you know. And is that when you say like the way that you used to, um, did, so I take it the first two records came together that way. Do you guys all just get in a room and jam or do just you, the first uh, one really just, just, just splendid really. Yeah. So the second one was people contributing music individually. Well, what we mean by that is, you know, we'd us four, we'd get together, you know, a rehearsal space, you know, and then yeah. with the second album, we, you know, we got mad in the band and we kind of just jumped into these songs, him learning these 14 songs. Um, and then as soon as he got them learned and we went into the studio. Oh, okay. I guess we had all these songs pretty much written by the time he was in the band. Gotcha. You're putting okay. together riffs together with an idea in your head, what the drums may sound like. And then, you know, you, re you get that to that point. And basically it was just dummy recordings of, you know, Jason just playing through what that idea was for, for each song and I got you know, it. And learning. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what comes from scratch, too. I mean, I'm definitely excited to hear this fucking this third record that that has, you know, gone through this interesting journey. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, you know, I know there's only so much you guys could say, but hopefully here we, we get to hear that uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know, hopefully we can do some teasers or something at some point. We'll have to talk yeah. about it and see what we can we can because we don't really have you know, we don't have uh, we don't really have a final what I, you know, even close. Well, I. We don't we have a hope. mix yet, you know, yeah, of anything right. yeah, yeah, for yeah. other than our raw tracks, which probably isn't presentable material yet. Not that it's not, we don't think it's good. It's yeah, just, sure. you know, that we're, process we're is there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Right. We can right. hope for spring, but who knows? And even if it was that soon, um, you know, like Jason said, do at that point, if we're going to go that soon, then, then everybody has to, you know, the vinyl weight will be another. Yeah. Uh, late that, summer. But hey, man, in the in the in the land where vinyl takes forever, the CD man is king, uh, Jason. So <laughs> yeah, me and you are going to be me and you are going to be cool again, man. We're going to be able to have the uh, the stuff that everybody wants. Um, so I recently I, I have a show on Gimme Metal called Malpractice, and one of the one of the things that I I did on a recent episode there was this introduce a handful of bands who are on are currently on tour right now, um, and I went through and I picked some stuff from their catalogs that I thought was like the best initial representation of these bands for somebody who hadn't heard them before. If we're talking about somebody who is not familiar with Anger Rock and you had to give them three tracks from you guys, three tracks that are available so far. So the first two records uh, to really sort of get what you think the band is about, whether that's the live presence, whether that's the style of the writing, whether it's the influences that you draw from, Let's make some cuts. What three tracks would you go with? I think Kingdom. Would that Kingdom Burned? Kingdom, Kingdom Burn would be one of those that three. Fucking, that is a closer right there. If like if I had my <laughs> right. way, and I, you know, obviously I haven't seen you guys live or anything, although I would fucking love to, that would close every show that you guys play fucking forever. Thy Kingdom Burned, absolutely. All right. It what has else? since the album came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I boy i feel like i i, I want to say vestments of cancer um yeah because it has it has some you know some slow riff elements it's got that um that that drumming style you know the I can't even think of what I would even call it. You know, it has some cool switches and tempo, I guess you'd yeah, say, yeah. where it's got some peaks and valleys. Maybe that's the, yeah. the word I'm looking for. Um, Probably a third one. God, I'm torn. Uh, Pit to the Apex, Rivers of Chaos, Eternal Unrest, one of those. Rivers know. of Chaos. Rivers, I if, if I had to pick out of those three, I'd go with Rivers of Chaos because it's a fucking shit kicker. The way that song opens, man, that is a heavy, yeah. I, heavy I, I could go yeah. on. I could go on with that. I mean, I think it's um, to me when I think I don't know that song just bleeds old school Swedish death metal to me. Yes, you know. Yes, it, well, I mean that whole first record does and in I, a way that is that, so yeah, 
so 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 cool like like it's it's exactly the Angerot shirt that I have on the back says American made Swedish chainsaw. And that I think is like the perfect way to describe this, right? Because there is sort of like a Florida sensibility to those songs. There is a more American death metal sensibility to those songs, but at the same time, um, the the influences are undeniable. And to have LG on that track. Um, yeah. And then and then the you know the fact that you know we were part of uh, you know he had what was it called like a, he did like a GoFundMe for his medical expenses. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And we 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 kind of tried to help and and it had an auction or something like that and. Um, he just blew my mind. I don't, what would you say? A month before he died, he sh- actually shared the video for Rivers of Chaos on his personal Facebook page, and just you know, just to acknowledge awesome. the fact that he did that. And it was like it almost like almost made made you want to cry in a way because <laughs> I mean, he acknowledged that project that you know that yeah. he did with us, and it, 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 it meant a great deal to us and it was such a sad thing to see that he passed away at such an early age what was he 49 i think he was yeah man he was a you young know, such guy. a legend you know such a legend in our the music that we like you know yes all of and us it, just it worshipped in tomb you know yeah. huge huge hearted guy as well from what yeah. i understand i never got the chance to meet him i almost got to interview him with that second record but i didn't get the chance to but you know especially after he died there was such an outpouring of love they played um, a show here in our town of Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 94 yeah. on the Wolverine Blues Tour. Mm-hmm. Oh, no shit. It's just an insane yeah. show for Sioux Falls to get. I was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. You know, that is oh, I'm curious. Now I'm curious about this. Right. Um, one of the things that I that we talk about on the show a lot, especially sort of with with guys who have been through a number of different um stages of the music industry right is how sort of like scenes have disappeared uh with the onset of global connectivity with the onset of technology and things like youtube and things like that um and i'm not saying this in a way that's like supposed to be like oh this is a bad thing it's just it's the way things are you know what i mean there were individual pockets of places all over the states like dallas bands had a unique sound to them right um new orleans bands had a unique sound to them um, and then as uh, technology has progressed and people have been able to sort of spread their music in ways that they weren't used to, that they didn't used to be able to, um, it's not to say that everything has become uniform, but I do feel like sort of those little pockets have kind of faded away in a way. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What is the metal scene like there? Uh, what's it like currently? Obviously, there's not a whole lot going on. Well, maybe there is. I don't know. Places are rebounding at this point where live shows are happening again. But like, have you, you, would be you guys have been... No, and that's that's the thing. Like yeah. there, I love how like there are these places where maybe people who have never been there before might not expect that turn out to have fucking savage music scenes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Sioux Falls. So uh, currently, there's really one venue um, that really supports the metal scene, but they've been doing it for three or four years now, and they're great, and they love they they love yeah probably more than that um they love the metal scene they love the people that show up for it um and it's so we don't get a lot of um you know larger mid-tier metal shows you know it's sure. it's always kind of like i mean obituary just played three and a half hours away from here yeah but then they you know or like people hit denver and then they go to minneapolis with the day off we're right you know where they could pick that day up but it doesn't happen um for whatever reason but the scene here there's a lot of underground death metal that comes through here throughout the year and then every year in july for the last three years um has been slam dakota yeah which is a two-day festival um and it's been great uh last this last year was skeletal remains unmerciful i mean fuck it was just great um i was there both days but even the you know a lot of uh a lot of bands from fargo omaha Mm -hmm. minneapolis area and stuff come through and play here so on that level it's it's awesome and people show up i mean i don't know Um, that was i i grew up in an area a lot that a lot of uh bands would skip over as well too so like i'm from south arkansas typically you're looking at at least a two-hour drive um for any sort of bigger tour package right but every now and then some bands would come through play for like 15 kids and i'm, I'm from a really small town man like fifteen thousand people 
So band might come through, play for 15 kids, and th those 15 kids would absolutely fucking lose their minds. And so I think that one of the things that's cool about these, you know, places that are a little bit more out of the way, maybe a little bit more isolated, is that when shows do come there, you have like this incredible uh, presence. People show up, people have fun, people go nuts. Well, oh, sorry. Well, I mean, uh, mid, mid, mid to up, upper tier level shows, we don't get that often, but we do. Happen. Um, I mean, we've, uh, we got to open for uh, Behemoth and Lamb of God nice. um, at, at our uh, place here that holds about 1500, I, th I think. So, I mean, you'll get, you know, we'll get, uh, who else played there? I mean, uh, Black Dahlia Murder played there, Sepultura and Prong and Testament played there. I mean, so, but, but you mean, it's not very often we get shows like that. Yeah. You know, um, they're spread very thin. Yeah. Uh, Slayer's last tour did come through town. They played the, you know, like larger arena area or whatever yeah. you would call it. But I think Megadeth was supposed to before COVID and that got canceled. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, but even um, even if the even if the really big packages don't come through, right? There's so much heart with the with the smaller packages or with the mid-tier packages. I like I I just saw Black Dolly Murder a couple of weeks ago on that tour mm -hmm. and fucking you know that they're a huge band in their own right but at the same time right. i feel like bands that are playing like club shows and theater shows places that are not stadiums not arenas there's always more of an intimate feel people are able to get a little bit closer to the stage people are able to have a little bit more room to move around um that's where for me anyway sort of the magic of live music yeah. is well in this sioux falls had um right right at the tail end of the 80s um there was a guy here in town named Terry Taylor who just started promoting bands. And um, he was in a band called uh, Face of Decline, which is like one of Relapse's first releases, although no they shit. were not death metal or heavy at all. They were yeah. like a punk band. And he would have shows. Um, I mean, he was promoting shows all the time in the basement of this, like, I don't even know. It's called the Nordic Hall. It was basically just a hall room but it was every week almost it seemed like so the yeah. kids in that time i mean there'd be hardcore shows punk shows metal shows death metal shows and everybody in our age group kind of grew up going to there and then it switched to this bar that held a, a few more people and then he started doing a little bit bigger stuff and um kind of like how you were talking with um uh pockets of sounds um sioux falls fell in love with acid bath um, who couldn't yeah. well right but it was weird here like anything acid bath related so many people would show yeah. up it's still to this day like people are like oh fuck yeah man acid bath acid bath fuck yeah <laughs> they pull, you know? pull seven eight hundred people at our local uh pomprom bar um, that's a lasting legacy man i guess it just strikes a chord yeah. there's something about acid and they bath still remember it too to this yeah. day yeah they, uh, they think Sioux Falls in the liner notes mm -hmm. of Pagan. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> but stuff uh, like that, like uh, just the people around here grew up in this like scene that was really held together by each other. And now, yeah. now some of our kids are doing it. I mean, I've met, I've met uh, kids of old friends of mine at our shows. That's like, cool as hey, fuck. Do you man. know so and so? And I'm like, yeah, I know so and so from way back in the day. Oh well, that's my dad. Holy shit, what? You know? Second generation into this right. shit, though. The, yeah. the kids are all right, though. So, like, yeah. that's that gives yeah. me hope. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Guys, we are super stoked to have had you on tonight. We uh, we cannot wait for the third record. I am loving the the new tidbits that we got from the Inversus record of Divine Apostate, which is out now on Redefining Darkness Records. Before we go, gentlemen, um, Zach has been patiently waiting this entire time. Oh. Basically, yeah. what I do. <laughs> What I do is I come in here and I steamroll him with all my nerdy bullshit. And then we get to the end and Zach is the one who has to really put you guys through the crucible. We have one right. very important question that we ask everybody who comes on the show. I am dying to hear what you guys have to say. Zach, please hit oh these boy. gentlemen with the <laughs> This is my moment. First of all, thank you guys. You guys are very awesome. We appreciate oh, listening thank you. to what you had thank to say. You. Uh, but I do have to ask you, what is your favorite Black Sabbath album? that's the reaction right there you're, good luck <laughs> you're gonna yeah. you're, you're you're talking to the biggest black sabbath album or fan 
pretty much on the earth. Okay. Oh man, I can't Sabbath, wait. Black Sabbath is my favorite band of all time. Same. Agreed. Um, so, I you know I, I love Ronnie. I love the Dio era. I I just I Ozzy era is, is it for me. So you want to know the, my favorite album? Yes. Yes. Album. If you had to pick one. Oh man, I like so many of them. I would probably. I think it. I I really think it has to be Sabotage. Oh, I Zach agree. is a Sabotage fan as well. Zach's that's Zach's number one, man. I really think it has to be Sabotage because uh, let, let, let me let me make sure I got this right. Is Killing Yourself to Live on Sabotage? Whoa, no, that's on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's right. Okay, but it's still it's still Sabotage because of Symptom of the Universe. Yes. yes, symptom of the universe, hole in the sky, the yeah. writ, all of there this. Yeah, sabotage is a classic. Megalomania, my favorite. Yeah. Megalomania, yes, sabotage, fucking rules. Um, yeah, I got to I got to see the original Sabbath lineup at one of the Ozfest. Probably same. I think I saw him in ninety uh, something with Mike Borden on drums first. With, yeah, when he put, played with them, and then I got to see him. I think twice with Bill Warden. Nice. I, I, I bought wanted to cry the first time it was it, it was just like it was like everything to me and i saw him on their final tour the very first show of the last tour and ozzy had a rough night but it was yeah. still awesome to be there yeah i mean like um, the guy's old as fuck you know what i mean and he's yeah. lived he's lived a hard life um I, I i was i was really glad i didn't get to see the final tour but i was really glad that they actually got to do that for everybody i did get to see them uh, I saw him on Ozfest '99, and again on Ozfest 2001. And like my my dad got me into Sabbath when I was a kid. Yeah. This was a huge. And I'm that huge guy, I'm actually that guy that likes almost all eras of Sabbath. So do we. Uh, I mean, of we, course, I, I love Ronnie, but I love Tony Martin. I love the Tony Martin era. I love uh, I love Eternal Idol. I love Headless Cross a lot. Tony Tony um, Martin is actually like our dream guest to get on this show. Yeah. The cat is, we are big fans yeah. of the cat. Yes. And, and like, you'd be surprised how hard it is to get a hold of that motherfucker. His people guard him very, very closely. Oh, um, when death, when death calls on that album. Day, bro. Yeah. When death who, who, calls. Who does, who, who does the lead on uh, when death calls, Zach? The lead, Brian May. There you go. See, he knows his Black Sabbath. This is the man. Absolutely. I'm telling you, man. We we we're big fans. I've got an yeah. entire Sabbath shelf back here. Yeah. Um, uh, Zog, have you got anything, man? Are you are you a uh, are you a Sabbath fan? I am not a deep dive Sabbath fan. That's really? okay. We I don't mean to hurt anybody's here. Absolutely uh, <laughs> not. We've had people come out and just straight up say "fuck Black Sabbath," and that's yeah. a hard. No, thing I do do, not say fuck accept. Black Sabbath. I do not say fuck Black Sabbath. <laughs> but, no. You'd be what? surprised if so if, if you if you did if i had to pick it would definitely be from the aussie era for yeah. me because that is what i i know more so um yeah probably savvy uh sabbath bloody sabbath the sabbath bloody sabbath is the shit even if so like even if people have barely ever heard of black sabbath the record they've probably heard is paranoid and it's a fucking kick-ass mm -hmm. record so like there's love there's always love to go around but do you know what i think the heaviest black sabbath album is here we go. Born again. Born again. No, I love that one, but no. What? What? Dehuman dehumanizer. Dehumanizer is heavy as fuck. It dehumanizer is, is is definitely way up there. We've had conversations on here a whole bunch about what we think the heaviest Black Sabbath record is, and Just, we we have come to the conclusion that we think that it is probably Born Again. Um, and I remember yeah. seeing Chris Barnes say that in an interview years and years ago when somebody asked them about them covering about Cannibal Corpse covering Zero the Hero. Right. Yeah. So much fucking swagger and just meat on those riffs, man. The, the vocal shrieks that Ian Gillen does on that album are astonishing. He sounds a fucking, he's like a demon. It's, an, it's incredible. The drums on Dehumanizer oh, are so fucking loud, though. I think that's what makes it feel so heavy, too. You know? Just the sludgy riffs are just... Yeah. Yeah, it I is. love it. I, Computer we love God. Sabbath. We could talk about Sabbath. We do. We could have album. an entire Sabbath. And if we if we didn't, like, we always want to, like, promote the bands of the people that we have on. And obviously, we're fans of the bands that we have. The cool thing about, like, doing this for free is that we only fuck with people that we like. And we're lucky yeah. when they actually say, hey, we agree. We'll come on the show. So thank you guys very much for that. Thank but, you. like, we, and because of that, we always want to make sure that we talk about what you guys are up to. And we want to make sure that everybody who is listening can like immediately stop listening to this podcast and go listen to your music. But 
Um, I, I would like to have a side podcast where we bring people on and just fucking talk about Black Sabbath. And Jason, cool. you are definitely going to be one of the first people that we talk to awesome. since you are a massive Black Sabbath fan. Guys, thank you so very much for your time. We can't tell you how much you appreciate it. Um, cannot wait to hear the new record. Hopefully we get that sooner rather than later. In the meantime, we wish you the best. Say hi to the other dudes for us. Uh, hope CR's leg is getting better. And, I'd like uh, to just real quickly say, um, yeah, if you're interested and in, uh, anybody out there, how to get a, how to find our stuff, just simply go to www.angerot.com. That's got everything on there. We got some new items. We got we got some pre-orders for some four new, no, three new shirts and a hoodie. Um, we got some new back patches for both albums. We mm-hmm. got tons of tons of stuff on there. So that's where you will find anything and everything Angerot. Simply Angerot.com. Absolutely, it, one of the sickest merch games uh, around with Angerot. We appreciate it, guys, and uh, definitely if you are in the market, if you want to hear the band Angerot.com, um, full recommendation. Definitely. Thank you very much, you guys. Appreciate really it. Appreciate hey, it. thank you guys, man. Blast. Have a great night. We uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. All right. I can't tell. Are they gone? Did they freeze or did they leave? They might have froze. I feel like they froze. I feel like they did. They freeze and leave. They might have. Did they did they post them ghost? <laughs> <laughs> what like what? What perfect timing that would be if things hey. did lock up. If, if they're here, if they're not here, they should just know that we think that they're such good dudes. We know? should. We do. We, if they can hear us right now, guys, we yeah. want you to know what good dudes you are. Yeah, man. Um, hey. This band is sick as fuck, though, man. I spent, yeah. This was one of my major early quarantine records. Um, that second Anger Rot record, The Divine Apostate, uh, Black Dahlia Murders of Verminus, both came out around the same time. And like, I remember just running the empty streets of Columbia uh, in South Carolina, listening to those two records. So if you're not familiar with Angerot, go check out that band. Um, Get in now so that you can be ready and waiting for that third record when it comes. These dudes are the shit. Thanks, Shuler. And you're the shit. You're the shit. No, you are. Thanks. Uh, No, brother. It's you. (laughs) All right, homie. Always good to see you. Love you. Take care of yourself. We will talk soon. Always, brother. Love you, man. Thank you. Bye.